Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization uh, that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We're working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, our guests are Latricia Gandhi, an organizer with MCU's Juvenile Justice Task Force, and Jeanette Mott-Oxford, organizer and lead campaign strategist for MCU. And we're going to talk about some nuts and bolts of organizing. And specifically, we're going to talk about some tools like door-to-door canvassing and in-district meetings and public meetings and all of those fun fun things, those activities that we do at MCU uh, that get people involved. So why do we do those things and what are they is what we'll, we'll be talking about today. So welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having us, Kevin. So let's just get started with some definitions. Uh, and, and I was even confused on this a little bit too. So we have two different terms that we use or two different events that we do. We have uh, public meetings, which MCU has done for many, many years. And then also what we're now calling in-district meetings. Can you just tell me what those are and 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 how? what's the purpose of each of them? Sure. Um, a, a public meeting... Uh... Uh, is is when you bring together members of a community uh, to highlight uh, issues that you have been um, listening to area residents about, uh, so that there generally are some some testimonies at a public meeting about what's going on. Um, Latricia just did that really effectively in Jennings recently. Latricia, why don't you talk a little bit about what that public meeting looked like, and then I'll talk about uh, what the in district meetings look like because I just did one of those last night. Um, so a public meeting, as JMO has um, explained, is more of a testimonial. And from personal experience, before I get to Jenny's, when I came into the work as an impacted parent, a public meeting was the first time I began. I had the the platform to give my testimony, so my voice was heard, and 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 then I shared my experience. So in Jenny's we gave the, the residents the opportunity to come to their first public meeting ever for Ward 4. They've never had a public meeting or either a community meeting. That could be a difference, but in a same as one. And this meeting was to allow their voices to be heard about the conditions of their environment, some issues they've been having, and how they can maneuver to get the voices heard and the things that needs to be restructured in their ward. Um, so, the residents, this this was a, a platform um, for them to speak to their, their council people verbally and also know who their council people were. Um, a lot of the residents didn't know the councilwoman lived two, two, two blocks over from me. I didn't know that was my councilwoman. So this meeting was to allow information to be shared and allow information to be heard from both the residents the council members, and then the congregations that are along Ward 4. So pretty much, uh, if you want to make it plain for a public meeting, making it plain is a relationship building meeting 
what we know who's in our community, who has to control, where our control lies, and then what are the issues to be shared? Yeah, and and uh, as Latricia said, you know, one of the things that we discovered in this public meeting uh, uh, last week was that in Ward 4, there's incredible disengagement with uh, with being involved in, in um, communication with elected officials, with holding people accountable for what their job is supposed to be to do for you uh, as your elected official. We found out that there are 1,722 registered voters in the fourth ward uh, in the last election, in, in the April 2021 election. Um, there, But only 131 of them came out to vote out of 1,722. So that's only, you know, that's less than 9% of people elected the council member there that was elected in, in April. Uh, and uh, the the best of any of the wards in April was a different ward that had 15%. So we can say what's wrong with those people in Jennings, but the truth is that's the pattern all over the state of Missouri is that a lot of people show up and vote in the in the uh, governor's year, the, you know, the presidential presidential election, the governor's election. But when it comes to their local people that have the most control over things like are the streetlights on on your block? Is the grass high on your block? Are there rodents running around all over the place out of this high grass next door? Uh, are cars going down your street so fast that little kids and, and people with disabilities have a chance to be hit by by the car are people dumping, uh, uh, you know, illegally dumping trash in your neighborhood. These are very local issues where your council members are the the folks that have the most power to do something about it for you. Uh, and, and people don't show up to vote in those elections. So part of what we're trying to do is to help people understand, hey, it's not just go out and vote once every four years. You vote every time the doors are open because there are, uh, you know, bread and butter, living condition uh, issues happening in your life that every one of those elections has uh, has an influence on it. So uh, public meetings are really good uh, for that to help people share their experience. Like La- uh, Latricia said, you know that's where she first got to give her testimony about how her family was impacted. And look at what an amazing organizer and leader she's turned out to be uh, coming out of that that initial uh, opportunity to do that. That's a, a wonderful thing. Uh, uh, I uh, have been working in Missouri politics for about 40 years. So in district meetings is a tool that I'm very familiar with. And this is just where a group of of residents uh, meet with their local elected official uh, while they are home, rather than driving all the way down to Jefferson City. You know, it's like 135 miles down to Jefferson City from St. Louis if we were going to go see our elected officials down there. But they come home on weekends, you know, and they're... uh, they're actually in district, they're home uh, from uh, the middle of May to the end of the year, basically. So they're home a lot. And then during even the part of the year that they're in Jefferson City, that's only from January to mid-May. So they're down there like Monday through the middle of the day on Thursday. So they're they're home Thursday evening, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning before they head for the Capitol. So we have a chance to see them when they're much more accessible. This is a great time of year to visit with your elected officials right, you know, at a coffee shop, at your church, um, uh, on Zoom, and in order to protect yourself from the pandemic. Uh, so we're, we're trying to have at least 25 meetings with elected officials so that we can gather information that help us understand the lay of the land, what our opportunities and threats are in the coming legislative session that begins in early January in, in Missouri. So um, uh, in an industry meeting, you usually only have like three, uh, three to seven people sit down with legislators. 
Uh, last night at the congregation that I attend, we, we met with our um, uh, 78th uh, district house member, uh, Representative Rasheen Aldridge, and shared our concerns with him uh, about things like, will the legislature keep attacking the expansion of Medicaid that we want that helps workers with low incomes finally have access to affordable health insurance? Uh, you know, what's going to happen about that? We asked our, our representative. We asked whether uh, the legislature was going to keep attacking transgender kids, something that we really, really care about at our church because Epiphany United Church of Christ is an open and affirming congregation. So we wanted to know about that. Uh, and we wanted to talk about the air quality uh, because we know that one out of four St. Louis kids has asthma. And a lot of that is about the bad air that we have to breathe in the city. So we, we hope to host an air quality monitor at our congregation for uh, MCU as part of the air quality monitoring project that's going on right now. So we sat down with our leg, leg, elected official, our house member, and talked about that. Uh, and there are lots of other congregations that are preparing to do that as well. Some have already had their in-district meeting. Others of them um, will be doing that soon. And then uh, our plan is to have all those that attended the in-district meetings for MCU to meet on Saturday, December the 4th from 11 to 1, uh, where they will share what they heard in those in-district meetings. We'll, we'll actually have kind of a PowerPoint where we've already gathered some data about what all happened. We'll put it up on the, you know, the, the screen to look at it together and say, given this, given that we have this report about what we expect to see happen in the Missouri General Assembly in 2022, uh, what are the most powerful actions that MCU can do to, to make progress for justice? So that's the way you use in-district meetings. Part of it's building a relationship. Uh, part of it is um, intelligence gathering. Part of it's sharing, sharing your personal stories. Um, you know, we had a person in the meeting that depends on Medicaid. So he was able to testify about how important that is to him. We had uh, you know, people that have worked on air quality issues for a long time and and uh, are very uh, impacted by it because the person speaking about that actually has multiple sclerosis. So uh, clean air is part of her health picture in a, a big way. Um, so you get to tell your concerns to elected officials in a very personal one-on-one -on -one way. There, there's, there's a different um, relationship that happens in these two meetings too, it feels like. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, and we as... As, as people participating in the political process have both roles to fill of, of one in the in-district meeting uh, of building that relationship, having good terms with our elected officials so that we can call on them and they can call on us when the time comes. But also in, in, the, in the public meetings, uh, we like to talk about tension in MCU. And mm -hmm. we, we, we like to talk about agitating um, when things are wrong. And uh, you know what was evident evident in Jennings last Saturday is is that citizens had things on their hearts and 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 they needed to get those off and it needed to be said to elected officials um, so that there's there's a balance there between having that relationship and also holding folks responsible when they do have the power to make change. Can you talk a little bit about how we navigate sort of those relationships? Well. <laughs> Well, one thing that I would say, Kevin, is even in an in-district meeting, your goal is not to make the legislator your friend. You know, it's not about people-pleasing kind of behavior. You're to remember that we're in a public arena, that we vote for the, these folks, and they have a job to do, and that is to provide uh, their time and attention to making the quality of life better for us. 
So uh, there's there's still the the potential of, of some kinds of tension in the room and in a district meeting. Um, you're 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 sharing your concerns in a way, remembering that that you are a, a resident and a voter, and they are your elected official, and that there's there are roles there. It's not about becoming friends. Now you may be friendly with people, you may kind of have a friendship too, but they also you have a public relationship with them, and it's it's important to never forget that. Um, but uh, um, I think that there was some real tension in the meeting, uh, Latricia, when, uh, um, when like the, uh, you know, people were, were, were sharing that, that they, uh, you know, plan, plan to gather signatures on a petition about an audit, you know, that, that kind of thing, or uh, of, of the financial records of, of Jennings, or some things that people said in their testimony, uh, or, you know, uh, that they wonder, how the, you know, why, why the city council isn't responding to their requests around lights being out and things like that. So there was definitely tension. Well, the tension um, regarding, you know, the mayor um, and, and MCU, we do not script when there's personal testimonies. And sometimes that can be misconstrued when we organize in public meetings um, and the residents, you know, they're upset about certain things that the mayor is not doing. And there's tensions of, you know, public and private with that portion of being the mayor's friend. Is this your friend? Is this not? When it comes to doing what's right for the community um, and MCU is the organ organizers of that to build that power to, to sometimes they get misconstrued as if, you know, we're there as a friend, as you said, in, in, in district meetings, but it's still kind of the, the case in public meetings because the residents are calling out their public officials. And that was a lot of tension in that meeting where the public officials were getting called out, the councilwoman, which who, who attended the meeting and was ready for the backlash. Um, and and for the mayor couldn't attend a meeting. But, you know, th these issues in Jennings has been going on for 20, 30 years prior to the mayor that's in, in the seat at, at this point. Um, but the power lies within the residents. So if they're not speaking up and coming together as a whole to have the issues or the concerns, because many of them had the same concerns, the high grass, the, the speeding, the lights, the where is our money going? They're all having the same, same complaints. But if they don't come together as one to to understand that the power lies in your voices, the power lies in your hands in the community, and we need leaders to, to come forward. And what I did get out of that public meeting, there is a lot of leaders out there in Jennings, but they didn't have the space to, to show their leadership. No one has ever really give the, given them the space to, to share their voices, to, to even be heard. You know, it's one thing to write a letter. It's a second thing to send an email, but it's a third thing to be standing and sitting right there in the midst of the voices and to hear the pain um, that was shared. So, you know, there's there's definitely tension in War 4. And yeah, um, yeah. we are there to organize that. We are there to say, hey, we are here to do the betterment. That's what community organizing is when you're doing social justice work or community organizing to build their power, just like MCU built my power to fight for, for my child, for me to have a voice and a say-so in the things that happen. This is the same thing for Jennings. 
You have the voice to have the right to have to say so. You have the power. If you show up, it's your right. So if you're getting out and voting and you're using that, things can change for what for. There's definitely yeah. potential. Yeah, that was 1,722 uh, voters. And the, the reason I want to raise that issue again, Latricia, is in the mayor's race, only about 1,200 of them voted. So look, there's more than there's more people than voted in the whole mayor's race just in Ward 4 if people would just get active, you know, which is you know part of what we're trying to say is don't just sit back. Now, when we say this thing about conflict, Kevin, I'm sure a lot of people like want to run the other direction because a whole lot of people are conflict averse. But the, the truth is nothing changes unless we're willing to enter into conflict. Conflict doesn't have to mean cursing each other out. It doesn't have to mean not, knock down, drag out fights of any kind. Uh, it, uh, conflict can be a very healthy thing. It's about clarifying our values, right? So like one of the more, more interesting parts to me, Latricia, in that meeting was how count, the council man and the council woman didn't see things eye to eye, right? So there they were, they took turns talking and they were very different in what they had to say to the audience. So that tension was real apparent. And that may mean that after the meeting, they want to have a talk a little bit because, oh, well, there we were in front of people and we didn't, weren't exactly presenting a united front about what we have to say. I don't know whether they had a talk afterward or not, but that kind of tension leads to further conversations that can help uh, elected bodies make progress. So that's one of the reasons that, that we want those kinds of tensions to sur surface in a public meeting. Uh, you know, one of our goals in the public meeting was to just help people do a little power analysis. Who has the power to give us what we want and what power do we have over them? So a lot of people didn't understand, you know, how the city's divided into four wards, that each of the wards has two representatives, that these kind of issues go to the city council, that these other kind of issues, like the thing about speeding cars, the city council can't exactly handle that because they've contracted with St. Louis County for their policing. So if we want something changed about uh, how the police are monitoring the speeding car situation, we have to talk to the county council about that. So we were helping people know, here's who has the power to change this particular thing. Here's when they meet. Here's what, you know, when they take public testimony at their meeting. This is how long it lasts, you know, so that we help people get, get ready. Uh, and then we, we handed people commitment cards asking them to stay involved with us because things do not change just by magic. We can't just, uh, you know, wish it into being, uh, you know, all of us believe in the power of prayer probably around MCU. I'm, I'm a praying person. I pray every day. Uh, but I don't just pray because I think that when I pray, part of what I'm saying is use me, you know, uh, that I'm inviting God to let me know how I can be part of the solution. Uh, and it's and it's not just sitting back and waiting. It's it's bringing myself into the work. And that's what in district meetings and public meetings give us a chance to do is to be part of the solution. OK, great. So that power analysis is really sort of getting the lay of the land. When, once you know what your problems and issues are in the community, then you have to identify who can I who can address those problems. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, they know they're in pain and so they cry out, but they they're not sure who to cry out to to like change the situation that's that's causing the pain. So an example I used in a PowerPoint that we passed out at the meeting was we could take 100,000 people down to Jefferson City and say, you know, why won't Medicare pay for glasses and dental dental work for senior citizens? Here's a lot of senior citizens can't afford stuff like that. Social Security and Medicare ought to take care of that. We ought to help people with that. Jefferson City isn't where that issue is fixed. <laughs> That's a federal issue. 
we could go down to, to Senator Blunt's office or Senator Hawley's office or uh, Congresswoman Bush's office or uh, um, uh, uh, Congresswoman Wagner's office about it in the St. Louis area and talk to them about Social Security and Medicare. But you don't go to Jeff City about that. And so it's important to, if you're going to take your time and your energy to ask for change, that you ask for it where that change can happen. So power analysis helps us zero in on who do we talk to about this particular issue. Okay, great. So we're kind of working backwards here a little bit. We talked about engaging with our elected officials, and we talked about then the power analysis identifies those elected officials before you engage with them. So the step before that then is is figuring out what your issues are. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that we did in Jennings was the door-to-door canvassing. Um, that is a way to determine where your your pain points are, if you will. We canvassed from June until just before the meeting in September. Mm-hmm. So, so t- tell me about sort of the the arc of what you were expecting to get, and maybe what you found out afterwards after you had done all this canvassing. Sure. So the initial initially, you know, I'm I'm breaking the school to prison pipeline um, campaign organizer with the Juvenile Justice Task Force. Um, We are attending JDAI initiative meetings, getting data saying, where are the children coming from that are being funneled in the system? Jenny's was the number one impacted zip code, 63136. So we did a power analysis and say, you know what? We need to go out into this community and find those parents and those children and build the relationships with the residents as to, you know, what's going on in the community and and support these families. So our initial goal was June 19, knock on 100 doors in Ward 4. We wanted to start a youth campaign um, regarding expungement. How many youth have records that hasn't been automatically expunged? How do we do that? We have to knock on the doors. We have to find the families. We have to, you know, um, support them and build their power. The other part was to increase the voter turnout by midterm election, at least to 10 percent. So these were the goals that we've had from the data that we've collected um, with the juvenile detention centers and, and things of that nature. However, the first time we knocked on 228 doors, June 19th. And when we knocked on the doors, we found out there's a deeper issue um, in this community. And as we've said several times, high grads, speeding, children can't be children in a community. There's a deeper issue. So we kind of transition as well as still looking to support those families. We have to kind of transition our work and meet the community where they are. Okay, if these issues, what can we do to support the community residents? How can we take this a step further? This is not to target any elected officials. It's to support the residents. This is a deeper, deeper, deeper issues. The voter is is, is down 4% in just this ward alone. Here at MCU, that's what we do. We organize voters. We organize campaigns. We're organizing people. So we have to surface a little bit deeper. Um, And alongside of us were the congregations in Ward 4. Uh, Maya Men of Faith, New Northside, New Fellowship Community, um, Christ Community congregations that have been working in that community to support their families, whether it was 
food giveaways or, you know, community cleanup days. And we inserted ourselves in that to say, hey, how can we also support the congregations to meet the residents to build this bridge and collaborate with one another? So there's three different, the, the, the congregations, the residents, and the elected officials. How can we organize them all to work together for these bigger issues so that we can support the families? and build the power with the families, build a relationship with clergy, and, and then engage them to build power with one another. Um, so yes, at this time, we've knocked on 500 doors since June 19th. We knocked on 500 doors in Ward 4. We were going out every, every Saturday, excuse me, when we only realized we need to go out a little bit more. Um, so the Breaking the School to Prison Pipeline, a team of us has started going out Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays having conversations, you know, talking with people, building those relationships, because first of all, we're in a ward where the residents don't trust. Their hope is gone. How can we trust that you all are here for us to give us that platform? How, how do we trust you all? So that takes some time. Relationship building takes some time, especially when it's a trust factor. I think Latricia... Mm -hmm said something really important there around often church's response is, is charity to do things like collect coats mm -hmm. for winter or hand out food. And I'm not saying that's not important. That is really important. But often charity seeks to remedy things that justice could have prevented yesterday. So we are trying to build the relationships that will lead to changing systems mm -hmm. so that people have justice and don't need, you know, food handouts, don't need coat hangs outs, handouts. So that they actually have living wage jobs and can care for their families, um, uh, they there will there will not be children in this preschool to prison pipeline if they don't experience so many adverse childhood experiences, the toxic stress and trauma that comes from things like being homeless, hungry, uh, having an incarcerated parent, etc. If we can if we can deal in a just manner with those things, we all will have a happier life. It, it, it is about the quality of life for every one of us. Uh, we are connected. We are we are in a great web together. And so that building relationships is so important to build the justice that we need to have better outcomes tomorrow. Uh, someone used a phrase a while back that I really love, uh, and I've started to use it everywhere I go, which is, I want to be an ancestor of a better future. So that's what we're talking about here. This door-to-door mm -hmm. -door canvassing makes us ancestors of a better future. I think the other interesting thing, too, is... It the, the key here is listening to mm. the residents and, and, and not assuming that I have, I'm coming in from outside and, and, and have the answer for you. Right. Um, you're, we're, we're literally going where the residents are leading us. Um, you, you know, Latricia, you have this goal of, we need to keep young people out of juvenile detention, out of prison. Mm -hmm. um, but we're starting with what the residents are telling us is the nitty gritty stuff. The streetlights don't work. The, the grass is too high there. You, you know, it's all this infrastructure stuff that we we don't think is is connected. But that's mm -hmm. that's the pain point that the residents are telling us right now. So that's where we're going to meet them. at. Meeting them where they are. And, 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 and with that being said, Kevin, listening is such an important some some society listens to to respond but not listening to absorb what is actually being said. And that goes to our environmental justice task force, environmental trauma, 
You know, if you're looking next door and you have a vacant house on both sides of you and behind you, and you're a young person and you, this is how I have to live. It's vacant houses. It's tall grass. There's one park in the neighborhood, but it's across the street from three vacant houses. It says safe for my ch child to go and play, you know, so meeting the residents where they are and, 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 and letting them know this can be changed. This can be changed. Um, and there's going to be a lot of tension with the change. <laughs> As we as we um, saw in the in the meeting on Saturday, there's going to be a lot of tension and agitation, uh, but it's necessary. And just just out of curiosity, because I, I know also from discussions we've had before is one of the things you wanted to do was make sure that people knew about uh, the the um, empowering uh, self-advocacy in the juvenile court system. Were you able to make some connections with people who did have that need um, and, and bring a couple people into that group? I currently haven't. I currently okay. haven't had the chance to reach any parents um, and, and Jennings from the door knocking, okay. I shall say. There are some parents that are coming, but they're not coming because we're knocked on the doors. Um, so that I have to say this out of 500 doors, I haven't knocked on a parent door. And she, my child is incarcerated or my child has a court hearing. So that's it's kind of good, um, you know, but I know that they're out there. So we have to continue the work and continue to foot, you know, being foot soldiers and knocking because there's a shame factor there. Like I can't. To share this with you all. And that's where I come. Hey, I've been there. I've walked this walk. I understand. And it is an embarrassment. It is a shame. And, and, and sometimes you don't want to put yourself out there due to the tension and the agitation that you may receive. Um, but it'll keep going on if we do not put ourselves out there. Yeah. Some, some people that you knocked on their door maybe have that as part of their story, but they haven't, they haven't built the level of trust with you yet to reveal that I, I think is part of what you're saying, but because it's dangerous. Um, when, when you're, when you're living on the edge like that, you, you, you fear that someone will hotline your family and someone will take your children away from you. You know, like if, if, if you open the door and people find out that your power's off at your house or whatever, it can lead to this cascading, uh, series of events that make make it life, life harder for your family. So a whole lot of people that are, are living with real challenges in their life are going to be very close mouthed about that. But but a door, door to door canvas can start a relationship that then deepens so that people tell you what's really going on in their family and 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 get some help that only happens when we're willing to talk about our our troubles. One of the things we, uh, uh, Jeanette, we had talked, you had talked about is is wanting to have a certain number of of uh, in district meetings before a certain point this fall, um, and we want to keep our our canvassing going as at, in Jennings um, um, because there's important issues there. Um, why why is why is this fall so so important for building these voter relationships and and getting people motivated? There isn't a big election in November. A lot of get out the vote stuff happens at at best in the months ahead of an election, and and most of the time it's just in the weeks ahead of. Why are we doing this now? Well, we're we're about to lose our most um, uh, fertile time for for getting an in district meeting because right now you know it's the final months of the year where while well, the legislators are home in St. Louis, 
starting uh, first Wednesday after the first Monday in January. They'll be in Jefferson City for four and a half days a week, basically. Um, uh, well, I'm sorry, for three and a half days a week from, from mid-Monday until mid-Thursday, basically. So um, we, counting their, their commute time, you, you're just not going to be able to see them quite as much. Uh, legislators start to file legislation on December 1st of every year. That's when something called pre-filing happens. Uh, and then committee hearings start to happen in late January as the new legislature gets convened uh, and, and uh, the, the pace of the legislative year picks up. And it's harder to get time with legislators. The farther into the legislative session things go, the more apt they are to have to stay over on Thursday night into Friday because of budget hearings, et cetera. It gets kind of crazy from January to May. So right now is the prime time to meet with people. Uh, and also next year in Jefferson City is going to be an especially chaotic time because this is the year after the census happened when they redistrict. They'll redraw the lines for the House and Senate districts. Uh, there's a feeding frenzy going on right now about the fact that the U.S. Senator Roy Blunt chose not to run for re-election. So lots of people, more than a dozen people have declared that they're running for U.S. Senate. So they're just, you know, wild primaries going on. And then lots of people wanting to run for congressional seats and Senate seats because other people are trying to run for U.S. Senate seat. So it's going to be very chaotic in, in Jefferson City next year. Uh, and it's important that we uh, learn as much as we can about the full context that we're going to be working in so that we can make the best decisions that we can around how to use our, our people, uh, our, our time, our money uh, to have the best impact for justice that we can. So, and, and I want to connect to that a little bit, um, uh, the, the focus on, we want congregations to do this, to, to do this work, to have the in-district meetings, to, to canvas, to talk to people. And a lot of congregations, a lot of churches kind of keep that political arena at arm's length. Um, so why, why is it important from your points of view that churches are involved in this work? I will say, well, my point of view is the churches are big in their communities. You know, as a resident, our churches in our community, this is our safe place. This is our safe zone. They're out working in the community. They're for the community. And that's the, the, um, that's the lens of the residents. That's what they're looking to. This is our safe place. And if we're working together with our congregations, things can be changed because they're here in our community. They chose to have their churches in our community. They chose to stand with us as a people and we trust our congregations. Um, and it's important for that to happen. Now, right now, there's it's not, not many churches are, are open. Um, there's only a couple of them that are really operating in, in the Jenny's area and in, fourth, in the fourth ward. There's two churches that are operating in the fourth ward and then New Northside is kind of on that boundary, um, like in the city and out. And um, however, they're doing community work. So why not build that bridge and, and be that safe place for your residents and have their trust factor? Because we are here to make the change. We are here. This is our community. We have to work together. And that's very important. Um, I don't know if the narrative has shifted a lot in our communities where the, the, the congregations are not the safe place or they're not doing enough for the community. But where's that fine line where we are out together and, and we're working together to show 
residents, we are here for our community. Community residents come to our sanctuary and let's build this relationship. Um, but again, you got to have that trust and that honesty. So many residents feel like the churches have given up on us as well. And there's another kind of side to it. Uh, Latricia is speaking as an African-American woman who's been personally impacted by these issues. Uh, I'm speaking as a as a, uh, a white gender non-binary person uh, who uh, has quite a bit of privilege in my life. I started out as a person living in poverty, but I have a lot of privilege now. And there there are many churches that are predominantly white uh, that aren't that like trusted institution in, a, in an impacted neighborhood like Latricia just described. But instead, uh, you know, perhaps they, they have not been feeling their connection to the pain of their neighbors. Uh, maybe church has been a little bit more of a social event for them, you know, something that they're in the habit of going to because the family already did or whatever. But the Bible is full of, of stories that invite us in to being, uh, uh, you know, engaged with our neighbors, caring about our neighbors. You know, you think about Matthew 25 and Jesus saying, whenever you've done this to the least of these, you've done it for me. And so there's, there's, a, there's a deeper path that we can go. And fortunately, the Ferguson uprising here in the St. Louis area caused a lot of white congregations to be concerned enough that they've done things like they've started reading groups, you know, to like read books about racism, to understand structural racism. And so now they are conversant in, in phrases like white fragility or, uh, you know, what's, what's it mean to be an anti-racist? So they can talk about those things. But, you know, it's important that white people do more than just read books and discuss books in a book club at their white church, but that we put our bodies and our lives, we put our voices uh, into the mix of demanding justice. We, too, have a role to play. Those of us who are, uh, are white, uh, my congregation is predominantly white, the one that I attend, the, the, the organizing work that we are doing gives everybody a chance to plug in from where they are. Uh, and, and those of us who are privileged uh, also need to, to bring our bodies and our voices to the work, not just have a reading club. The, the thing I wanted to kind of close with is, okay, uh, you've, you've convinced me, let's have an in-district meeting with our church. How do, we, how do we get started? How do we do this? How do we pull it off? Well, well Patterson I, was one of them. <laughs> Power analysis is another one. Knowing who your step, state rep is, knowing who your elected officials are, um, and and JMO, go ahead. I, I was canvassing. Yeah, I was going to say if your if your congregation doesn't already have an organizer working with it, then we need to fix that. We need to we need to get your congregation uh, on 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 the list of one of our organizers so that so that a, a key group at your church, whether it's like a social justice committee that you already have, or maybe you have a care of creation committee that's been working on environmental issues. Uh, you know, hopefully your pastor, you know, once once uh, a group of people from your church to engage with MCU on these issues. So we'll want somebody to come out and visit with you and and uh, your organizer will start to, to have uh, these one on one conversations with leaders at your church to get to know your congregation, uh, to get to know what concerns you already have. Uh, and then to make sure that, you know, what we're having that helps people build the skills that are needed to be powerful witnesses Uh uh, on on uh, the fact that we actually can change uh, these conditions that people are living in. So um, uh, I, as the lead campaign strategist for MCU, uh, can help any congregation that that feels 
a big question mark about it. Well, we don't even know where to start. You know, I, I, I just helped a con- congregation yesterday. Uh, they, they, they told me that they wanted to have in district meetings with three particular elected officials. So I sent them a little biography of each of the elected officials that they wanted to meet with so that they would know some particular things about that person that might help them connect to them in that meeting. And I also told them who, who schedules meetings for that person. Does the legislator do it for themselves or do, do they have an assistant that does it? I, I found that part out for them to, to cut that part out of it. I'm, I'm leaving it up to them to make the appointment happen, but I can, I can make it somewhat easier for them to give them a, a good lead on how you get a, an appointment with that particular elected official. So we'll be glad to resource any congregation that wants to engage. Uh, and, um, and truly, if we are going to have the power to make these things change, we do need to have more congregations engage with us. We don't have enough yet. Uh, and uh, uh, we, we always want to be building uh, stronger and better. We do have a sustainer event for those that want to work on environmental justice at 630 on October 21st. And we would invite anybody to go to our website and find information about signing up for that particular event. Or they're welcome to email me at j-mo, j-mo at m-c-u-s-t-l.com, m-c-u-s-t-l.com. And I'll uh, make sure that you find out about how to, how to come to that event. Um, we, uh, we do have, you know, certainly a website. We have a Facebook page. And we have other social media that people can follow to know exactly what we're doing. Uh, and uh, and come out and get trained on the the, the skills that and uh, enable us to uh, to make the changes that are needed. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And I want to thank you both for your time today. And our guests today were Latricia Gandy, an organizer with MCU's Juvenile Justice Task Force, and Jeanette Mott Oxford, an organizer and lead campaign strategist for MCU. To learn more about MCU, go to our website at mcustlewis.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.